Welcome to Foolish Voices, a Company of Fools podcast. Company of Fools is a professional theater company based in Sun Valley, Idaho, and is a proud part of the Sun Valley Museum of Art. More information can be found online at svmoa.org. Welcome to Foolish Voices. I'm Scott Palmer, Producing Artistic Director of Company of Fools. And on this show, we talk to a wide range of theater artists, both here in Sun Valley and all across the world, about how the current global health crisis is impacting their work, about their creative lives, and about their hopes for the future of our art form. Please consider supporting Company of Fools by making a donation in any amount via our podcast platform or online at svmoa.org. In this episode, we are talking with Nate Philandry. Nate is a production manager, company manager, and producer based primarily in the Northeast, and he is entering his second year at Vermont's oldest theater, the Weston Playhouse Theater Company, as their production and operations manager. Prior to his work at Weston, he was the production coordinator for Troika Entertainment, managing 14 tours, including Cats, The Phantom of the Opera, School of Rock, and On Your Feet. Nate began his career working at theaters such as the Williamstown Theater Festival, Hartford Stage, and the Glimmerglass Festival. Thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to Foolish Voices. Nate, how are you? I'm doing all right. How about you? Uh, doing fine. I mean, we're approaching our 46th day in shelter in place here in the Valley. Um, so I'm going a little nuts, I have to be honest. It, it is driving me crazy. How, how long have you guys been under similar quarantine or shelter in place orders? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe that we at the Playhouse have been working from home since March 14th was our last day. We had a, a board meeting at our theater on a Saturday, and then since then we've been home. So a little bit over six weeks now, I believe. My math is correct. Um, but um, luckily, our state government's been really great um, so far about curbing everything since about that time as well. Um, and we're seeing that curve flatten, which has been nice. That is good. Were you guys in the middle of production when this all came down? No, so um, we're summer theater primarily, so from about Memorial Day until about November 1st, we're actively producing, um, you know, plays and musicals, um, but then from November 1st until uh, Memorial Day, we do things like workshops, um, uh, readings of new plays, um, and then we do special events with like concerts for, you know, actually like rock and jazz and folk bands in the area. Um, so we were in production, so to speak, for that. We were supposed to have one of those rock concerts on the 14th. Um, and we had canceled it just on the day before. We had finally decided that doing a concert with about, you know, 200 audience members was not feasible. Um, but, you know, we were in pre-production for our summer season. Uh, we produced seven shows. Um, across a couple of months in two different spaces, one which holds 300, one which holds about 120. Um, so we were just about ready. We were getting, you know, prelim designs and beginning of the casting process, and we were fully staffed and ready to go um, until we decided to pull the plug. Wow. Okay. So, so what <laughs> that that is heartbreaking, and I am very sorry to hear it. Although um, I suppose misery loves company, so as you and I both know, <laughs> this is the story of every theater on the planet at the moment, right? So, um, so what totally. have exactly? So what have you guys decided to do? I mean, is there 
are, are you postponing? Are you going online? Are you just canceling? So what, what is it? And this is particularly relevant because you are the production and operations manager. So if you don't know the answer to these questions, I'm a little bit worried about the lesson. Um, how, how are you addressing these challenges, this uncertainty? Yeah, so it, it all kind of developed rapidly, um, like anything else. Um, and, you know, first and foremost, I'll say, you know, in this, in the cancellation process, we were really well supported. Um, Weston, which we would have been entering our 84th season, um, we were, we have a really great community here, um, both in the town itself and as, you know, a, a theatrical community of artists who continue to work with us. Um, and when we made the phone calls to make the cancellation, um, uh, you know, everyone was kind of prepared for it, for better or worse, which is a good thing, I think, versus, you know, if we were like fiscally irresponsible or something, and that's why we closed the doors for the summer. Right, right. Um, like you said, we're all kind of in this together, which is nice. Um, but to answer your question more directly, um, right now we're kind of standing pat. Um, you know, we're, we're actively watching the industry um, of how folks are working. Um, I do see, you know, a lot of summer theaters are still Holding tight, um, you know, I believe it was the Muni this morning or last night who announced they're going to try and, you know, push towards July 20th or somewhere in that region. Um, we have decided to fully cancel the season. Um, as I mentioned, we have two spaces, uh, primarily um, our flagship Playhouse and then um, our brand new theater, Walker Farm. Um, the Playhouse season, which is um, Ring of Fire, Kinky Boots, and um, Steel Magnolias, we have postponed to summer 2021 so we just moved that season to next year um and then we will kind of uh, circle back to what we want to do in walker's theater uh, next year so uh, right now we're, we're doing some small online programming um we've been partnering with local businesses um, a bookstore uh, we've had some local actors doing you know fireside <laughs> readings of staff picks of books which has been really great um, and then we've been actively uh, looking around to develop some new works and things like that in, in the meantime. And hopefully once we can gather again, we'll do public, you know, readings or uh, workshops of those pieces. So we're, we're just actively watching the world around us versus uh, putting things out to have to rein them back in later on because we just don't know, you know? Yeah, that, that is, uh, that is, yes, I do know exactly. It is. So unbelievably frustrating um, to not, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think everyone, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, you know, the Westin, one of the great theaters in the United States, for sure. Um, you guys have a remarkable reputation, incredible theater company. Um, you know, and we're all sort of chomping at the bit to just make a decision, right? To sort of act on something and figure out what we're going to do. And yet we're still kind of stuck in these places of of just looking around at each other and going, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? How's that going to work? I mean, we had, uh, we had um, a three-show summer rep, rotating rep planned. The first time that the Fools have done something like that in probably seven or eight years. We were super excited to launch our 25th anniversary with this summer rep of three shows. And I, I mean, at this point, you know, people are suggesting push it back a month. And I'm like, eh, I don't really know if that's going to be enough time. Uh, push it back two months. Well, I'm not sure that's going to be enough time. So um, yeah, mm -hmm. I completely feel you. Um, what Talk to me a little bit about about what the Weston has been doing in terms of providing access to online materials. I mean, it, you know, 
everyone across the, the country and across the world has sort of done this rush to develop online content. And, and, and I, you talked a little bit about fireside readings and that kind of stuff. Um, can you tell, tell us a little bit more about that and, and how that's working out for you? Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, I, I think one of the big things too is we're in a we're in a spot where we're kind of doing the similar thing to you, where we're reaching out to local companies. Um, you know, we we're lucky to have the Berkshire Theater area, uh, you know, right down the road from us. Um, New England has a really robust um, community as well when it comes to regional theaters, and then of course we're down the road from New York as well, which we're you know deeply in tune with. So we're kind of hearing how that's all going. Um, you know, some theaters are in really good shape where they have active live recordings of shows that they've done in the past to be able to reproduce those. Um, we don't have that library, unfortunately, beyond equity recordings, which we, you know, keep in archive. Um, so we've been trying to produce new things. Um, one of the bigger parts of um, Weston's foundation is our young company, which are normally um, acting students who are, you know, in school, currently learning, or fresh out of school, um, and they they act in our um, our youth production, so a production that opens our season for local um, youths, <laughs> um, and then they will be in our ensemble for our, our big honking musical, is what I call it, so they would have been in our ensemble for Kiki Boots, um, and then done our production of Seussical to open the season, um, and then what they do as well is what we call our act three act four cabaret, um, which is kind of, I describe it as 54 below plus Saturday Night Live. You know, you have your ballads peppered in there, uh, but a lot of it is sketch comedy um, for what's going on in Weston, up on the Playhouse stage um, or at Walker Farm. And that's that's a fan favorite. I mean, um, especially our, you know, subscribers and our deep supporters, they come out for the cabaret no matter what. Um, so we produced an online version of that where we reached out to some uh, former young company members um, to create, you know, um, some sketches, some songs, things like that. That was really successful. I think, you know, we had some really great viewership and it was um, YouTube premiere, which I think has been a really great asset to us in the theater community um, to be able to chat actively as you premiere it out. Um, as well as watch it with the community. So we've done that. We're doing the fireside chat. Um, we're developing a trivia show as well, which will be a lot of fun. Um, so actively working through that process right now. Uh, trivia is a, uh, <laughs> a hobby of mine. So I've kind of taken oh, really? that up with our marketing and artistic department. Yeah, it's, it's something that, I don't know, there have been times that I've turned down plans just to watch Jeopardy <laughs> on a weekday <laughs> night. Um, <laughs> 26 years old and um, really showing my cards early on. Yeah, living um, life to the fullest there, Nate. Good job. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, so it's actually become like a, a, a pretty pretty good group project of both, you know, trivia about Weston's history um, and then also just theater history in general, which has been a lot of fun to kind of dig through um, things. So. Um, yeah, so we've been working through those types of uh, projects and then, you know, looking at um, what we can do down the road as the, the rest of the spring and summer uh, continues to develop. And, I mean, you know, how, how do you feel about this sort of rush to the streaming uh, you know, there's been a lot of debate and controversy. I don't know if you've seen any of the sort of American Theater Magazine or the Medium articles about Absolutely. like, stop doing this. This is terrible. And other people are like, oh my God, shut up. Stop telling me how to be an artist. Um, you know, it's caused a lot <laughs> of discussion, right? And and how do you feel about all of that? How do you 
Uh, what's your position about this kind of rush to develop content for online consumption? No, you're absolutely right. Um, and I'm glad you bring up American Theater Magazine. It was one of the things I wanted to bring up in this conversation because uh, it's where I kind of start my day, um, at least in the past couple of weeks when there was a huge influx of things just coming out. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think right now we're kind of sipping from the fire hose um, for sure about um, all of this content that every theater is putting out right now. And that's one of the things that we've been discussing, uh, particularly about how um, there are just so, so many theaters are printing out a lot of different things. There was one theater that had a really established playwright um, kind of do a live playwriting class. And I think four people came to it. Um, and it was on like a Wednesday night at 7 p.m. And it, you know, it was a big name. And we were just all kind of shocked to see um, the lack of interest. And I, I think when we looked around, there's just so much going on. And unless you have that gusto, like the National Theater putting out, you know, one of their iconic shows like Frankenstein that's coming down the road. Right. Um, and a three and a half million dollar production budget so you can record with 10 cameras, right? Well, like, exactly. Um, versus, you know, like Lauren Gunderson doing a playwriting workshop, um, I think was through another theater, uh, was also poorly attended just because there is so much, which I don't, I don't blame people. Um, you know, you say you miss this one, there's another one coming. Um, and I'm not saying that that should deter folks from doing things and trying to program really interesting, um, you know, work, but I believe that there is that opportunity to, um, you know, carve out different areas. And that's one of the reasons why we looked at that trivia thing, because we hadn't seen a lot of people doing it. We're not the original idea, don't get me wrong, um, but it's definitely something that we can, um, you know, try and carve out for our area. And it also connects directly back to your audience interest, right? Like, it, you, as you said, it's a lot of kind Correct. of Western Playhouse trivia. So it's folks that are already passionate supporters of your theater company, and you get to re-engage with them and sort of communicate with them in a way which feels personal and intimate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, we've been careful what we're doing. And, Frankly, we're a staff of seven at the Western Playhouse for year round. Um, so we're all kind of in our own little nooks, keeping the train on the tracks. Um, so when it comes to branching out into something like this media, um, it's not something we, you know, not have time for. Obviously, we have plenty of time, but it's something that we are trying <laughs> to keep, keep yeah, focused yeah. on our um, you know, keeping the lights on, keeping the heat on. You know, we're still getting snow here in Vermont. So are you um, really? Oh, you poor you thing. Know, it's yeah, it's rough. Uh, yeah, it's a fun part of the year where we wake up with snow on the ground and it melts by lunch. But every morning it's something new. Yeah, um, it's very so, familiar yeah, here it's in, here in Sun Valley, where where it's going to be seventy eight on Wednesday and then possibly snow on Sunday. So yeah, yeah it was sixty five this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> so we're keeping up with it, I think, uh, but we're also being really particular about how we're engaging, um, so that when we um, you know, can start engaging like we normally do. Um, we're fully, fully prepped and ready to go. Yeah, I think that's really smart. And 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 to be honest, I'm really happy to hear that. You know, we we feel often here in the valley, sort of as the largest theater company and and the largest nonprofit arts organization in in the state. Uh, we are also in a very isolated part of the state. We don't have a lot of other colleagues to kind of check in with. So it's always good to hear other people saying things that we thought were really smart. And now you guys make us feel like like maybe we were smart. So that's good. Um, you have this remarkable history, not only of working um, 
sort of as a production manager and company manager, but you also uh, had this crazy period of time in your life where you were production co coordinator for massive tours of giant shows. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. It was something I fell into um, and enjoyed every second I did it. Um, but yeah, it was a totally different pace that I had little background in when I happened into it. And I mean, we're talking giant touring shows, right? Like huge. Yeah. So uh, basically I worked for a company called Trick Entertainment, um, which is based out of Rockville, Maryland. Um, and there were two major companies um, that have this model. So it's Troika and then Networks Touring, which I think is the name that people recognize a bit more. Um, and Troika, when I started there, had just picked up like their biggest tours in the past 10 years. They had launched um, uh, School of Rock, On Your Feet, Love Never Dies, um, and then had recently picked up the second national tour of Pinky Boots while kind of operating a bunch of other tours like um, the touring version of The Bodyguard. Um, so I kind of jumped in right when that was all kicking off. And when I got there, they were turning over a lot of new staff and basically becoming reborn um, from their old models, which was great. Um, and the folks I worked with there were some of the most, you know, incredible, um, generous and supportive folks. Um, and by the time I left, um, my day to day was, you know, checking in on about 14 different tours. Um, you know, around the world. The Phantom of the Opera tour that we were managing um, was the international one that's kind of getting headlines right now because they're not shutting down in Korea. Um, they they went on a two-week hiatus because one audience member had COVID, and then the 2,000 people at the show that night had to be quarantined. Um, wow, really? Including, you know, of course, the cast and crew and everything related, but they're kicking back up, I believe, in a few weeks from what I last saw. Um, so, you know, Thinner of the Opera was launching in Manila, um, oh God, when was it? January 2019, um, while we were launching Cats, Kinky Boots, and um, a couple other tours all at the same time. Um, so it was kind of a wild six-week process. Um, I had just, I had been on the road launching um, a tour of Spamilton from the Forbidden Broadway group, uh, which was a lot of fun. Loved working on that tour, and then jumped right into Cats launching, um, which was a lot of fun. I know it gets a, a bad rap and maybe it's Stockholm syndrome, but uh, truly one of the most <laughs> exciting, exciting three weeks of my life launching that, that show and learn to love it. I bet that's hilarious. Well, I mean, you know, to be frank, to be frank, the tour, the tour and the Broadway show probably has not benefited from the disastrous film. So, uh, you know, I, I, I completely get it. I'm not going to judge you for your love of cats. I'm totally not going to judge you for that. Um, I'm a sucker for a big dance show and, yeah. you know, particularly this production, which Andy Blankenbuehler shepherded, um, you know, took Jillian Lynn's vision um, and kind of revamped for modern days was just, it was gorgeous. Um, and the cast was fantastic and it just, it really, um, really hummed. So uh, yeah, we were real proud reason, of that one. There's a reason out. that show's been around for a million years, right? Like it's, it's, it's oh, super good fun. It's uh it's fantastic spectacle and you know, all the great singing and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to judge you. I mean, you do you, man. I'm all good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking to produce it at Weston. Let me tell you. Okay. But, um, it was Fair a lot enough. Of fun Fair to, enough. Uh, to do at the commercial level for sure. Right. Exactly. Um, so people are probably wondering why the heck we have you on the podcast 
podcast and it's part it's because you have a connection to one of our staff members whose name is Patrick Shotka, who's our technical director and you guys work together at Glimmerglass, right? Yeah, absolutely. So summer 2017, um, uh, Pat and I uh, were both at Glimmerglass. I was their residence director, I believe was my title, um, which essentially was the company manager for staff and then their guest artist. Um, and Pat was, I think, the safety coordinator. Uh, we called him Safety Shots. Um, we call him Safety Guy. We, we, we call him Safety Guy he, here. He knows so. it. Yes. Yeah, he yeah. was really great with the safety. And, you know, that was one of the best things about Glimmerglass is their focus on safety, um, which is something I learned there and really take with me now um, as well. Um, but yeah, Pat was a, a really great coworker. Um, and, you know, I ran into him about this time last year at USITT as well. Um, and it was good to reconnect with him. And I think around that time was when he signed on with you guys. Yeah, he um, was our, he was our very first interview. He, we were interviewing TD candidates at USITT. Uh, and he, I think we interviewed him at 9.30 on the first day. And uh, he he probably shouldn't ever hear this because it'll make him impossible to work with. But uh, as soon as the interview was over, I turned to Ko, who's our production manager, and I said, "Well, that's the guy. We don't have to interview anybody else. He's he's the guy. We should just get him done. Yeah, just shut it down. Exactly. Uh, we ended we did end up interviewing a few more people, but we did end up getting our hooks in him. So we're happy to have him. For people who don't know Glimmerglass, what what is Glimmerglass? What is the Glimmerglass Festival? Yeah, so uh, in in my mind, um, it's the premier summer opera company. Um, it's a really really fantastic place. It's in a it's in Cooperstown, New York. So the baseball fans will you know perk up at that, or the James Fenimore Cooper fans if there's any still around. Um, and it's just kind of nestled in you know the middle of New York State, um, right off of uh, this gorgeous lake, um, with a barn theater. It's kind of fascinating. They don't have any HVAC or anything. So for a summer theater, you think that that's problematic. Uh, But, you know, the walls open up on the side and it's just kind of this oasis of opera. Um, And it's run by a brilliant woman named Francesca Zambello, um, who also is the uh, artistic director at the National Opera in D.C. Mm -hmm. uh, and has put on some of the most emphatic um, operas uh, in the world. Um, And it's truly visionary and they recently have been moving towards putting on a musical or two every season uh this year they're planning on doing sound of music um, my year they did oklahoma they've done west side story recently as well um, so they're starting to cater to a lot of different audiences just beyond the opera audiences um, but truly i mean it's incredible the production value and recently as well a lot of their productions have been um, co-pros and you know traveling the world um, their ghost of versailles that they did uh, a year or two ago, um, actually played Versailles. Um, so they're doing some really incredible things there. Um, and it was just a really, really great opportunity to be there. Um, they have some of the best technicians I've ever worked with. Um, and truly, like to this day, uh, you know, my best friend, um, who I talk to every single day, um, was made there. Um, and just the summer, um, you know, it, it, it lives in this bubble in my mind, but truly, um, made me the professional I am today, just kind of the support system, uh, mm-hmm. transitioned my focus um, of what my priorities are working in this industry. 
That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, Patrick speaks so highly of them as well. And of course, everybody, you know, the people in our line of work, we, when people say Glimmer Glass, we go, oh yeah, totally. We totally know them. Um, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these organizations that you're talking about and the people that you've worked with, not only at Weston, who's, you know, this kind of remarkable summer rep kind of festival event at the Weston and Glimmer Glass and all of this kind of stuff. I mean, these are all companies that are really struggling right now, right? Like the, this uncertainty is is almost, I, I, I hear from people, they're just paralyzed by indecision and a lack of information. Um, what do you, what do you think is going to happen, Nate? Like what, what, whatever will become of us? What do you, what do you see coming up, coming down the, down the, the line for theater in America? Well, as terribly as I want to be Mr. Marvel from the Wizard of Oz and have a crystal ball, I don't. Um, but what I can say is I had this really brilliant, um, uh, forum that I attended last week. Um, Vermont, uh, has a really fantastic arts council, um, and they have a subset of it called <laughs> VACDARN, which sounds like a class at Hogwarts, uh, <laughs> but it stands for the Vermont Arts and Culture Disaster and Resilience Network, um, and it's it's just a really fantastic organization um, to prepare you for anything from a pandemic to, um, you know, a hurricane, um, the Weston Playhouse, a little bit over 10 years now, when Hurricane Irene hit, um, was devastated by it. Our theater was just absolutely decimated by Hurricane Irene. Um, and part of, you know, Hurricane Irene hitting Vermont so hard uh, brought this up. But anyways, um, they had a great forum last week with an epidemiologist um, letting, you know, organizations just do a Q&A openly with her, which was fantastic. Every single question that was asked in that hour began with, we just don't know. <laughs> and I feel that deeply. Um, you know, I was talking to a community member on Saturday, and he asked, you know, you guys thinking about trying to do something in the fall? Because we have that slot for the leaf peepers that opens around um, the end of September. And I said, I, I really would love to be able to tell you, yeah, sure, we're going to put on a show for all the people that come up to look at the leaves. We just don't know. You know, right. we're seeing the, the, the curve flatten. We're seeing people behave and stay in in most places. Um, but the second we start going out and trying to act quote unquote normal, will the people who have it in their systems, you know, quietly in their systems, you know, cause a second influx? I'm sure we will. Um, will there be a mutation like other um, viruses like this in the past? I'm sure there will be. Um, you know, so I hope a big thing with the industry is that we're slow. Um, obviously, that's really hard to do. Is it's painful to say that um, being um, kind of overseeing our properties and things like that. I do hope that we're a bit conservative, um, but at the same time, let me tell you, I miss putting on shows. You know, yeah. I miss overnight load-ins. I miss um, tech weeks and things like that. Um, so I'm there with people. That said, I think that once we can gather together and sit, you know, in a dark room and laugh together and cry together, I think we're going to feel a lot better. Um, but, you know, we're going to see non-traditional things come back first, you know, outdoor theater, uh, maybe staged readings. Um, but, you know, even as a production manager and, you know, a technician myself, I'm hesitant to say, um, you know, yeah, let's just go stand with music stands because I know that my technician friends um, don't want that. Right. They won't be needed if we're not building sets or um, hanging lights and things like that. So yeah. it, it's a catch-22. And I, I, 
I know it's a cop-out to say, I just don't know, uh, but it's really, really hard right now on April 27th to say, yeah, we're going to be putting on a musical, you know, in December 2020 or something like that. Right. It's just hard for me to right. say. And it also and worries it's me. different for you and I, you know, in right. remote exactly. communities versus New York. Exactly. Yeah. Who knows? It, 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 yeah, it's changing all the time and it changes in some ways it changes faster outside of major urban areas, right? Like, um, totally you know, people are like, Oh, it's fine. We're not in New York. And then two days later, see a <laughs> spike in infections, right? It's all great. I mean, one of the, it's interesting sure. because one of the things that I am constantly worried about and, and harp on a lot in my conversations with folks is this need to make sure that we remember that theater artists include uh, production artists, right? <laughs> that that um, right. this kind of rush to go online and develop material online is very performer focused. Um, and, and I've seen some of those, those sort of online shows and I'm like, you know what you need is a lighting designer and a costume designer <laughs> and a scenic designer. Uh, and then, then you can call what you're doing theater. Um, you know, we, it's so important that we all remember that that the folks who work in production and operations and designers and stage managers, that those those folks are at the heart of what we do. And um, you know, I, I've been having conversations with folks here in the valley saying, you know, well, if you make a decision to postpone, you can just postpone a couple of weeks. And I'm like, you can't put, you can't. I can't build a set for three shows in right. rotation in two and a half weeks, right? Like this, there's a, there's a whole process that has to, we have to go through here. Um, you know, it sort of speaks to that, that the fact that a lot of our audiences, we love them and they're passionate supporters of ours, but theater audiences across the world don't really have a grasp on what it takes to put on high quality, high production value shows, right? They don't, they understand the operation side and the production side. Um, or do you think that there will be impact on how we build, design, create the sort of production design elements of theater, given this uh, degree of uncertainty that we're facing? Absolutely. Unquestionable. Um, and it's, we're already seeing it. I mean, we've seen one major theater already, you know, postpone their season and say, hey, we're going to cut the tech down to its <laughs> as low as we can, um, which got backlash, um, which is great in the community to say, hey, you know, don't, don't cut one side of your theater, you know, try and strip it down equally if you can, which is hard, understandably. But um, one of the reasons that I'm especially happy to be working at West End um, and it, you know, I think you're dead on, uh, but, you know, my artistic director um, has a very similar viewpoint to, to you where, you know, the best show is a well-rounded show um, and is really, really thoughtful of our production staff. It makes my job easier in that sense. Um, so really, really lucky to have that. And same with the community as well. Um, you know, our audiences are really, really in tune with, you know, our technical directors, our painters, our master electricians, our um, props masters, everything of that nature. Um, so I, I do believe that a lot of shows, both for financial and logistic reasons, are going to scale back. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, smaller shows with two, four people cast. If you've written a one-man show, good on you. It's going to get produced a lot more. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, Now's the time. You know, or, Now's or, the time for you to do yeah, your, exactly. your one-man trivia performance. That's right. Well, and, you know, even even before this all hit, we announced our season in November. We had two one-person shows in our seventh show season. Um, so I think those types of things, you know, units that um, are going to be even more, you know, 
uh, interesting to theaters um, just by that that end. Um, you know, and the less that it takes to put on a show is obviously great, but at the same time, you know, the second you can do a big honking show, um, blow people away, I think is great as well. Right. Um, you know, I really love the shows that give my production staff the opportunity to flex their muscles with really creative designers. Um, you know, I think that that's really fulfilling as someone who hires a lot of people. You know, I'd hired close to 60 people for the summer already. Um, and, you know, with that, you interview <laughs> so many people for those 60 positions. You look at a lot of portfolios and you want to give people the opportunity to uh, build those portfolios, especially for a summer theater where you're hiring a lot of college kids and who are just starting out. Um, so you don't want to just throw down rehearsal cubes and, you know, T-shirts and jeans. As much as, as a production manager, I would love to just have that all the time. Right, um, right. You know, I also like want so the opportunity. Easier. Yeah. 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 So I, I think for sure we're going to see a change. Um, and I, what I hope is that theaters are creative and don't just say, yes, we're going to strip down. We're going to do, you know, a unit set version of Oklahoma or something. Um, you know, I hope that they instead say, yeah, we're going to do a really large show, but we co-pro it so we can split the cost and, you know, make it work that way. Or, you know, you, there's creative ways to do anything. Um, you know, I've seen it, I've done it, and hopefully we can, you know, continue to do that. And luckily, um, you know, uh, I think it comes down to just general support for community um, and, you know, everyone involved. So, yeah, that's what I hope too. I mean, I love, I love the idea and the solution to sort of think about as we have to be financially conservative and, you know, protect the sort of core operations of our theaters that we also don't forget everyone else is in that same boat. And so exactly. re reach across the aisle, see if you can't co-pro, right? See if you can't co-produce something that, you know, spends spends three weeks at the West End and then travels out to Company of Fools, right? Like there, it's probably right, sure. impossible to do that, but that's a, it's a really long drive. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I think those are some of the opportunities for us as an industry to really sit down and think about you know, what are our values as an industry? What are our values as an art form? Is this an opportunity for us to be more collaborative? Is it an opportunity for us to rethink those those partnerships? Um, you know, I think so much of so much of what happens in theater is so deeply competitive, right? Like if mm -hmm. if if we work together, that means we're somehow losing audiences or funding or or press attention or whatever. Uh, but I think at this time, kind of focusing our attention on on what we can do to collaborate more uh, is going to be absolutely crucial. So I think you're real smart. Clearly, not only a guy who knows trivia, but also a thoughtful member of the artistic community. Nate, good job, you. That's kind of you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, I only uh, say that because you. you agree with me. So, I mean, if you disagree right, with right, me, right, I have course, different yeah. things to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we well, wish it's you... it's important that we're chugging along, you know? Exactly. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm happy to sit down and keep my feet up and, and play PlayStation for as long as I want, but I'm an artistic director and that is going to eventually bore me to tears. I want to make theater, right? Um, and I yeah. want to figure out the best way to do it safely and economically and financially successfully and artistically successfully. Um, and that means listening to people all across the country and all across the world who are also struggling with these same issues and coming up with their answers. So, uh, totally I, with I, you. I so appreciate you taking time out of your, I think, somewhat busy day 
Uh, it sure is, yeah. We're, we're, we're still on, chugging. We're still doing what we can. Good. Working on that Weston Playhouse trivia game information. That's <laughs> right. Spending hours yeah. researching in the archives. Uh, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. My name is Scott Palmer. I'm producing artistic director of Company of Fools. And if you've enjoyed my conversation with Nate, please consider supporting Company of Fools by making a donation in any amount via our podcast platform or online at our parent organization, that is the Sun Valley Museum of Art, on their website website at svmoa.org. In this episode, I've had the pleasure of talking with a very talented and clever theater professional, Nate Landry. Nate is a production manager, company manager, and producer based in the Northeast, and he is entering his second year at Vermont's oldest theater, the incomparable Western Weston Playhouse Theater Company, and he works there as their production and operations manager. Thank you so much for joining us, and take care of yourself, okay? Yeah, you as well, Scott. Be well, all right? I, I will. And I, I please don't tell Patrick that I said nice things about him. He's already impossible to live with. Yeah, you poor things having uh, Pat on payroll. That must be I, so difficult. It's the worst. <laughs> it really is the worst. Yeah. Thank you so much and take care. All the best to the folks at the Westin. Yeah, thank you. You too. Bye. Bye.